Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of the Drug Buddy Podcast. My name is Nicholas. I am your host and very excited to be here. Very excited to get this rocking and rolling. This is the third attempt we are making on our pilot episode. We had some issues in the first couple, some audio issues, particularly with the second one. The first one we just weren't really happy with. Second one, audio issues. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. We've decided collectively that no matter what happens on this episode, in this recording, we're not going to, we're just going to put it out there and see what, we're just going to, anyway, what is this podcast about? The Drug Buddy Podcast, you probably never heard of it. If you have, you're lying. Let me start with what our goal is here. What's the goal of the Jug Buddy podcast? Why did we create this in a world with so many podcasts, in a market that is overly saturated to the point where every 15-year-old high school student has a podcast? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I see it all the time, and they're all the same. All these podcasts that are popping out of the woodwork are all the same. They're all talking about the same kind of stuff, clickbaity titles. There's just very little depth to all this content. So the reason we're here actually kind of came by accident. I was looking for, a, a few weeks ago, I was looking for a podcast that talked about mental health, actually. I couldn't find one that I gelled with, that I resonated with. So I kind of expanded my search and I looked for one that that they were just having like real conversations about real issues and I know they're out there I know that they exist but I had this idea while I was kind of going over all this stuff where what if there was a podcast where they just talk about drugs any and everything because here's the deal drug use is so much more prevalent than I could have possibly imagined and I think the topic of drug use is fascinating and I think talking about it is considered taboo in society and I think that's a problem I think if more people are comfortable talking about this kind of shit it's going to help people who may be struggling with addiction it's going to help people who feel like they might have a problem but they don't know what to do that's like the altruistic goal that we've set here but when it comes to just raw entertainment, I think this is a fascinating topic that that we can do so much with. Just having honest conversations about substance use and or abuse, honest conversations about alcohol. We want to get people on here who work in that field. We want to get people who are in recovery. We want people on here who are not in recovery. We want people on here who might be actively using. We want to hear everyone's opinion. That's we want to start an open dialogue where people aren't afraid to talk about this kind of stuff, where the taboo factor is eliminated completely. There's a website that I used to go on a lot when I was younger. It's called Erowid, E-R-O-W-I-D, and it still exists to this day. And basically, it's a, it's a database, kind of, of pretty much every drug known to man and it's a 
really what it is, it's a harm reduction website. It's You go on there, you get information, how do the drugs affect people, you get user-reported experiences. People can go in, they can submit stories about certain drug experiences that they've had. It's a completely unbiased, a completely objective look at substance use. And I want this podcast to be similar to that, where we're not pro-drug here, but we're also not anti-drug. We're Switzerland, baby. We're in the middle. Completely neutral, just here to talk about them, just here to get people's input, just to start that conversation. And look, while we might not be affiliated with any sort of entity like AA or NA and, or any sort of rehab or whatever, I obviously don't condone somebody using hard drugs. I don't condone somebody throwing their life away, but I get it because I was that person. I was a gnarly fucking addict for a long time. I started using, I mean, I started using heavy when I was 16. I didn't stop till I was 25. So I used for almost a decade before I finally figured out how to, to stop, really. So it may raise the question, who is the target audience here? And, and to be completely honest, we don't really have a target audience in mind. We just want anyone who is interested in what we're going to talk about to come and listen. And in the beginning, things are going to be moving slow. We're not going to have any guests on. We're not going to have much of a following. If we can get a hundred people to listen to this first episode, that'll be, I'll consider that a major win. But that's always how it goes in the beginning, and we're completely ready for that. So I mentioned that I am somebody who used for quite some time. So I want to give a little bit of insight into that. You guys are going to be hearing me talk a lot, especially in the beginning. So I'd like for you to know a bit about who I am. So I don't think this next part really matters that much, but it people will always want to know. My drug of choice was heroin. Really, it was any sort of opiate or opioid, but heroin was the one I always kind of fell back to. Heroin's like the king of opiates. And like I said before, I started using that when I was 16. I used up until I was 25 when I finally got clean. I've been to rehab about five different occasions. I've been to jail twice. You know, and look, this isn't like my resume. I'm not trying to give you guys my my resume on why I'm qualified to host this or even talk about this kind of shit because because that is not at all what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to let you guys know the consequences that I've gone through from using, especially starting at a young age. So when I finally decided that it was enough was enough and it was time to get my shit together, I didn't do it in the most traditional way. Most people, when they get clean, it happens one of two different ways. They get caught and go to jail, and that sobers them up, and then they decide to turn a new leaf over while they're in there. Or their family kind of somehow, their family and friends get together and convince them, like, hey, you're going to die. You need to go to treatment. So they go to treatment. Those are the two main ways people typically get clean. And, of course, the third way is that they just die. But 
for me, it was a little different. I remember I woke up one morning and this was in the throes of my addiction. This was as bad as it had ever been. I woke up in this girl's house that I was seeing and it was this real rundown shithole. And I woke up on a mattress with no sheet. It was the middle of the day. This light coming through the window. I mean, it was like noon already. And I woke up in this hovel and there was like an old pizza box that had like flies and shit coming out of it. Uh, my phone screen was shattered like a million pieces because I dropped it the night before. I was sicker than hell because I didn't have any dope left to get healthy. And I remember I'm kind of just sitting there, you know, thinking, my God, how am I going to get money today? How am I going to get well? I mean, I'm already sick. And for me, what I would do was I usually, I would count the hours because as a heroin addict, I knew that I had about eight hours before my dope had worn off pretty much completely and about 12 hours since my last use where, uh, 12 hours when I start feeling the first symptoms of withdrawal. And I had woken up at noon. I think I used my last bit of dope at like two in the morning. So I was already about 10 hours in. So I was already pretty fucked. And as any good junkie knows, it's a, that's a rookie mistake. You, you never want to wake up already in withdrawal. Because now you're sick, trying to come up with a plan to get money. You know that that bag is hours away. Uh, but the worst part of it all is that now you're desperate. And when you're desperate and sick trying to find money, you start, your, your thinking changes, you start thinking of some crazy shit. I mean, the idea of committing a felony doesn't phase you as long as you get well. So I was just sitting there in this hovel, just kind of at the end of my rope. And in that moment, I decided, I said, you know, I think enough is enough here. And I'd never had that before. I never had that epiphany or that sudden realization they, they talk about hitting rock bottom a lot in recovery you know you got to hit rock bottom and it's always this crazy sequence of events this crazy story and this super dark shitty place that people end up in when they finally decide that enough is enough and for me it wasn't like that I mean I was in a bad place it was a shitty environment no doubt about that but I had been in far worse situations before and I'd been in far shittier environments before. But none of that really mattered. All that mattered was in that moment, for whatever reason that morning, I had just finally reached the end of my rope. There was nothing left after that. And I said, I'm I'm done now. I, I have to I have to stop this. There's no future here. And before that I had convinced myself that there was. It was always my goal that I would become successful enough and I would make enough money that I'd be able to support my habit while living a normal life. And I just told myself that all these years of hardship, you know, this this near decade of using, that this was just all part of the grind, you know, <laughs> it's going to get better someday. And of course, it never does. But I really romanticized my drug use. I knew plenty of guys who hated themselves who hated the fact that they used who like as they're prepping their kit would be sitting there saying you know fuck this shit man like I fucking hate this drug and I hate what it's taken from me and I just want to get off this shit 
I was the complete opposite. I was like, dude, I'm going to stay on this for the rest of my life. That was the agreement I had made with myself when I was 16 years old and I had first done heroin was that I'm never not going to have this in my life. It's always going to be there with me. I'll find a way. I'll figure it out. I know it's really bad for me. I know I'm going to get addicted to it, but I will figure this out because I need this feeling. And believe it or not, that's not that unique of a way to feel when you first try heroin. I've talked to a lot of addicts um, who have told me similar things. They said, oh yeah, when I first did it, they were like, this is the solution to all my problems. I always want to have this feeling. I will find a way to continue feeling this way for as long as I possibly can. And it always ends in disaster or tragedy or both every time. So people ask me, they say, well, what's your clean date? How, how much clean time do you have? And this is where the conversation kind of flips a 180. I'm not clean at the moment. I smoke weed and I'm on methadone. For those who don't know, methadone is considered a maintenance drug. It's like Suboxone. If you haven't heard of Suboxone either, just know that these are drugs that you take when you are physically dependent on opiates like heroin, for instance, and it curbs the withdrawal. It allows you to transition from taking the heroin, the oxy, whatever the hell you're taking, and transition to the methadone. So now you're taking that instead. It's a substitution therapy. So you substitute one for the other. It has to be prescribed by a physician. You have to go through a special clinic to get your medication. There are tons of restrictions in place, and it's highly regulated by the government to prevent people from selling it or abusing it or whatever they might try to do. Methadone has one of the higher success rates in this country, the United States, when it comes to combating opioid addiction. However, there is a stigma with methadone and methadone users, particularly with the clinics themselves. Uh, if you've ever driven by a methadone clinic, you probably know what I'm talking about. See the people coming in and out. They are usually some pretty unsavory characters. I mean, I'm one of them. But unfortunately, a lot of people on methadone or who go to the clinic, they still use, whether it be fentanyl, meth, cocaine, I don't know, crack, whatever. I mean, benzos, you see it when you're... Because when you go to a methadone clinic especially when you first get there, you go every day. You might have one day off because they usually are closed on like a Sunday or Saturday. So they'll give you like one take-home dose, they call it. You have to have a lockbox and they'll give it. And it's, it's a liquid, so it comes in this little bottle, plastic bottle. But when you go every day, you typically have to wait in line. And when you're waiting in line with these kinds of people, you start to hear what they're talking about. I've overheard so many people make drug deals in those lines. It's ridiculous. And it pisses me off, honestly, because I'm just standing there thinking, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? You have no interest. And the truth is they're there because people get on methadone and they keep using as like a safeguard. So what they'll do is they'll go to the clinic, they'll get on a regular lowish dose of like 40, 50, 60 milligrams. Uh, they'll go in the mornings when they wake up, usually when they're going through withdrawal. They'll get their methadone, stops the withdrawal and then they'll spend the rest of their day on a mission trying to get dope, and then at night, once the methadone has worn off a bit, they will then use their heroin. 
And so it gives a bad name to the people who are trying to actually stay clean and sober at the clinic. There are several people I've met at mine who they're doing their thing. The thing is, you don't usually see them, the ones who are doing well, because once you're doing well at a clinic, you start to get more take-homes. So like they'll give you two take-homes for that week, so you only have to go five days a week. And then after another month of doing well and clean UAs and shit like that, you'll get three for that week. So you'll only have to come in four days for that or three days for that week and just so on and so forth until you can get up to about a month's supply. So some people you see like once a month because they come in with a big lockbox, get their shit for the month, and then they're good to go. And that's that's the objective. That's where everyone's trying to get to. But uh, it's hard, man. It can be hard to get there. And my clinic doesn't give a shit about weed. Like, you can smoke weed at mine. They're, they're totally fine with it. I mean, it is illegal on a federal level. So they are, to some extent, kind of turning a blind eye. But I think at my clinic, they just understand how beneficial weed can be for a lot of people, even people who are on methadone. Because, again, I want to emphasize the fact that you don't get high on methadone. When you first start taking it, yeah, you'll feel something maybe a little glow, a little, you might nod off here and there, but that goes away pretty quickly. And then from that point, it's just all maintenance. So you go in, you get your dose, you don't even feel it anymore. You just feel when you don't have it because you get sick. But the great thing about methadone and Suboxone too is that it has an extremely long half-life and that's the length of time it takes for half of the drug to be eliminated from your system. And methadone's half-life, I want to say, is like anywhere from 50 to 100 hours or something like that. It depends on how long you've been on it. It depends on how well your liver is working. Do you have hepatitis? Do you have cirrhosis? Any of these other comorbidities that a lot of addicts sometimes have. But uh, usually you take a dose in the morning, like I do, anywhere from 6 in the morning to 9 a.m. And then you're good for the rest of the day. And even though I do smoke weed and take an edible from time to time, it's they're few and far between. I'm not smoking all day. I'm not smoking every night or anything like that. And even if I was, I don't really think that'd be that big of a deal. But I, I just do it to kind of help with my appetite. I have a really fucked up stomach condition, and the marijuana makes it easier to eat. Sometimes it helps with the nausea. Sometimes it makes it a little bit worse, which is weird think some potheads who are listening might be familiar with cyclical vomiting syndrome. Yeah, that's something you got to watch out for when you when you use cannabis. But it also helps with insomnia. I don't sleep very well, so this allows me to just kind of knock out more easily. But at the same time, I get kind of freaked out on weed. Okay? I'm not first of all, I'm a, I'm a huge lightweight. One hit, two hits, I'm done. If it's an edible, I'm taking the smallest, tiniest end piece I can find, and I'll eat that. I just I just don't tolerate weed that well. It makes me anxious. Uh, it makes gives me this weird tunnel vision. Sometimes it gives me the, like weird heart palpitations. I mean, it's a fucking... I'm really using it as a medicine. <laughs> Some people use it to get high just so they can watch a movie and eat a bunch of Doritos. I mean, I'm only using it like before I go to bed, before I'm about to eat. And those are really the only times I ever smoke weed. I did, however, smoke before this podcast, though. 
I think that's going to be somewhat of a tradition. I'll host when only when I'm high. Not only when I'm high. But uh, I thought, you know, what a, what a better way to kick off the third attempt on our pilot than to smoke a little bit. And, like, right now I feel fine. Like, I'm not nervous. My heart's not freaking out. I'm, I'm cool. I'm chilling. I will admit sometimes it makes things funnier. And uh, that's definitely a bonus in my book. So now you guys know a little bit about me. You guys know my stance on weed. Uh, but what about alcohol? Now, one thing I always find interesting is why is it so difficult for some people to acknowledge the fact that alcohol is a drug? Why is this a thing, guys? I mean, alcohol is clearly a drug. It's a very destructive drug at that, but it fits all the requirements to be a drug. I mean, I think one of the reasons is because alcohol is, this is going to sound dumb, but it's because it's a liquid. And yes, I know several drugs are also liquids, but um, just the, I mean, all those drugs that are liquids, I mean, first of all, I can only think of like, okay, GHB is a drug that's a liquid, right? Um, LSD, I guess, comes in liquid form. But aside from those, I can't think of anything. And all, like, if you're going to shoot up something, yeah, you have to turn it into a liquid too. But, uh, I mean, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I feel like if alcohol came, like, in pill form, then you wouldn't be making the distinction between drugs and alcohol. You would just say, hey, I have a handful of drugs right here. I mean, if you had, like, a mix, like, say you had a bunch of, like, oxy and some alcohol pills and some benzos, you wouldn't say, hey, I have some drugs and alcohol right here you just say i have a handful of drugs right like that's that's kind of how i see it i mean it's a complicated issue though i've heard some people who just go bananas when it comes to arguing about whether or not alcohol is a drug they'll say well you know they specifically separate it in like aa and na literature you know they say drugs and alcohol alcohol is its own thing it's not you know and i'm just like no dude it's it's clearly a drug people like to say it's not because they feel better about drinking you know especially people who drink a lot but don't do drugs that's my favorite when they're always like i would never touch cocaine you know you monster as they go down 17 shots of jack daniels and chase it with a fucking red bull Literally describing my ex right there. So, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to talk about. I mean, alcohol is a drug, but there's this movement almost to say that it's not. I mean, we we do, when we refer to addicts, we, we separate from alcoholics, like addicts and alcoholics. And I will say this. Back when I was going to AA and NA meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous meetings, I would only go to the Alcoholic Anonymous meetings, uh, even though I considered myself an, an addict. I mean, it's weird, though, because when I say I'm an addict, I, I mean that I'm, I have that addictive personality, which encompasses all substances, right? That includes alcohol. I don't drink alcohol because I know where it's going to lead to. It's not... Alcohol is not my drug of choice at all. In fact, I could really do without it. I can't stand the hangovers. I don't think it feels that great. It 
is a wonderful social lubricant, yes, but it also causes some of the worst experiences known to mankind. <laughs> I mean, some of the worst nights of my life, alcohol was the culprit. However, that said, some of the best nights of my life, alcohol was also the culprit. So, you know, you got to take the you got to take the bad with the good, I suppose, but like I said, I could do without alcohol, but if I drink a six-pack, you know, then I might start thinking my inhibitions are just gone. So I'm like, well, now I can go get some fucking heroin. And it's not that quick of a jump. I mean, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's more insidious. Like I drink a few beers then someone's got some Coke and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll do a few lines of that to kind of level myself out. Now I've got cocaine and alcohol in my system and I'm still drinking. They start bringing out the shots or whatever. Now we're drinking liquor and it's like two in the morning. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to be fucking so hungover tomorrow. Well, not if I get some dope. I'm going to go get some heroin or whatever. And then I pass out drunk. I wake up, hang over, smoke some heroin. Boom, it's gone. Like, that's that's how my mind works when I'm in relapse mode. Whatever you want to call it. And I'm sorry, I don't think weed... I don't think I respond that way to weed at all. I don't think anyone responds that way to weed. I've never heard of somebody... I mean, this has been going on for a while. I've never heard of somebody overdosing from weed. I know you can, and I'll explain in a second how it's possible, as unlikely as it is. And I've also never heard of anyone, like, holding up a liquor store to try to get money for weed or whatever. You know what I mean? And this is another funny thing about the whole can't smoke weed when you're clean and sober argument, and that is... What about cigarettes? What about coffee? Can I can I drink coffee? Can I smoke cigarettes? And whoever I'm talking to usually would say like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." And I'm like, "Well, why? Those are drugs, aren't they?" And they're like, "Well, and I know it's kind of a lazy counter argument, but it's the truth. Nicotine and caffeine are drugs, and the distinction is made that those are okay in recovery because they're what too mild because again like weed you don't see people knocking over liquor stores to get another hit of caffeine you don't see people throwing their lives down the toilet for a pack of cigarettes and that to me is kind of how I feel for any substance that doesn't fit that criteria so like if you're clean and sober and you want to go drop some acid especially if you've never done it before or whatever I don't give a fuck I'll go drop it with you I mean, I probably won't because I'm terrified of doing a hallucinogen. But, I mean, who gives a shit? Nobody's ruining their lives over a sheet of acid. Unless maybe they're, like, distributing it or something. But that's completely different. And nobody's ruining their career because they smoked peyote last weekend. You know, I mean, like, there could be consequences with doing that kind of shit, I guess, if you were to be drug tested and then it came up positive, And that's something you would have to way when it comes to pros and cons but that's just an adult decision that you are free to make on your own and i would not hold that against you now if you're a recovering addict and you say to yourself well i'm just going to start doing coke on the weekends well then i've got a problem there because you've already established the fact that you can't handle whatever your doc was which in this case it's not cocaine so you're just saying yourself well i'll just do cocaine instead now like that'll be my fun instead of doing meth i'll do coke 
And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Coke is a drug that people ruin their fucking lives over. Cocaine is definitely a drug that people wind up in rehab for. And yeah, I know it's a really popular drug with a lot of people. Like I know, I was amazed, honestly, at how many people did cocaine. Like from when I was a teenager to when I got older, despite the fact I was using heavy drugs already, I thought cocaine was like this sort of super underground thing. Like you could find it, sure, and people did it, but I didn't realize that like everybody does coke. Like your bartender's probably doing coke. Your Tinder date's probably in the bathroom doing a line of coke. I mean, everybody does coke. So I don't know. That that can be kind of weird, I guess. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are about 29 minutes into this first episode. I think we're going to call it we're going to call it a day. Um there was a lot more stuff I wanted to talk about, but in tra- keeping tradition with the first two attempts, we're just going to kind of let it we're going to stop at the 30 minute mark. We don't want to overwhelm any of the new listeners. The whole 33 that have listened in the past few days. I mean, that's I'll be transparent with you guys. That's where we're at. We've had 33 or 34 listeners, I think, since we uh, first launched the podcast, which was less than a week ago. And that's just the way it is, guys. That's how it goes. I'm Honestly, if anyone's listening right now, I can't thank you enough for giving us a chance. You might have hated what you heard, but I appreciate the opportunity. That's all I'm asking for here. And if you did enjoy what you listened to, tell your friends. Seriously, go ahead. Tell your friends. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Pandora, iHeartRadio. Not on Google Podcasts right now. We're working on that. It's got a kind of a weird hiccup, but... Um, obviously our RS, our RSS feed, and uh, we're going to be putting up a YouTube channel here pretty quickly. We're going to put all of our podcasts on there as well, um, and we've been talking about filming our podcast, but, you know, we don't really, it's probably something we should wait until we've actually established an audience, you know. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, listening to our podcast. I'm your host, Gnarly Nicholas. It has been an absolute pleasure. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts, critiques, feedback, whatever you want us to know. Send us an email at drugbuddy.podcast at gmail.com. Drugbuddy, one word, period, podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Be well.